Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hey, welcome. I am so glad to have Heidi Jananga here, founder and chief clinical officer of WebPT um, on the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I am Sturdy McKee, uh, business coach and advisor and your host for the Focus Forward Business Podcast. Thanks, Heidi, for being here. Thank you, Sturdy, for the invite. This is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank. Uh, I mean, it's an honor to have you have you on. Um, so, would you please tell our viewers and listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you what you do? Of course. Um, so, I am a physical therapist uh, turned entrepreneur and tech executive. Um, I started my career uh, as a physical therapist. Um, actually, was pre med and in college, uh, had fully intended to become a physician. And then I was, as, and I was a basketball player, went to UC Davis, injured my knee and, um, ended up with a great therapist who inspired me to go on to PT school, did that, um, became a PT and went on to meet a lot of the goals that I had set for myself over about a 15 year career of, you know, being a sports medicine uh, focused therapist, um, working with college athletes and professional athletes, worked my way up to being a clinic director of one of the largest uh, sports medicine practices in the country. Um, And as that journey sort of took me uh, through being a clinic director, it really led me to learn more about the business, a lot more about the business side of PT. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the biggest issues I was having um, at the time was transcription and dictation. This was back in 2005, 2006. And we solved it through putting my head together with a technologist who said, well, you know, why don't you think about doing something digital instead of doing, you know, the transcription and dictation, which would be a lot cheaper. So we put our heads together and created something that was originally just supposed to be for my practice. and, and then we launched the company in 2008 as WebPT. And now I lead the company, I help lead the company, uh, which has over the last uh, 12 years uh, garnered a little, just shy of 40% market share. We have over 500 employees um, and just been an amazing, amazing life-changing ride. Yeah, I'm sure. So was WebPT your first business? Well, I mean, it was the first business at this scale and size. I mean, if sure. I think back on my my history, even from when I was a kid, I mean, I started a little babysitting business in which um, uh, I, you know, babysat around the neighborhood and had a couple of friends that we did it together. And then um, I also was I did uh, sort of started this little lawn mowing business within my my uh, cul-de-sac and area that I lived in. I mean. It was really just pseudo entrepreneurial, but I, I would say that I, I didn't necessarily ever consider myself an entrepreneur. I was more of just a problem solver. I needed money to buy the jeans that I wanted to buy and my parents wouldn't let me and buy those. And so I was going to go out and make money to, to be able to do that on my own. And so it was really more of a problem solver than, a, than an entrepreneur. Although that's, yeah, I mean, that's how a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get started and, and still do every day, solve problems, right? Exactly. So tell us a little bit more about how you decided to start the current business. I mean, you created a product and then you decided to take it to market. Um, But what went into that decision? 
Well, really it was about, um, to be honest in the beginning, I mean, launching mm -hmm. a company as a PT in your own industry, like there, I had to know that it was gonna work. And so um, the feedback that I was getting from the 10 therapists that, that were in my practice um, at the time was positive. And that was within this first six months. Within the next six months, I had 12 other of my colleagues in the greater Phoenix area saying, hey, you know, we've heard you created something cool. We wanna try it. And so that was really the first test to say, outside of my own bubble, did this really make sense? Mm -hmm. And um, after we you know, allowed them to try it, they actually paid us for it, which was another huge milestone um, <laughs> of people willing to buy, write your product um, and pay for it and find value in what they were uh, getting for that money uh, was huge. And they all were continued to iterate on a product and they did give us positive feedback. And then we did a little market research and that's when we really, the light bulb really go, went off to find that back in 2006, 2007, that 80% of therapists were still using pen and paper. Right. And so the problem that I was solving for me was actually a ubiquitous problem throughout the industry. And so at that point is when we really said, hey, um, this is potentially viable and let's really do this uh, and kick this off and, and get it started. I'm sure there are other people outside the industry who would be blown away by the idea that in 2005, 6, 80% were documenting with paper and pen and paper and physicians too were right up there, right? Um, what's, what are the numbers now? Do you know those? Yeah, so it's actually flipped on its head. Okay. So um, in the PT space specifically, it's about 80, 85% of therapists might even be pushing 90% now that are using some sort of digital platform. Okay. And as I mentioned, of those percent of that percentage, we have uh, just close to about 40% market share, which right. has been amazing, right? Um, completely disrupted the industry and in thinking about how they document, how they run their business with technology. Mm -hmm. um, physician space is actually quite a bit higher. Uh, as you know, um, we didn't receive any incentives uh, in the rehab right, therapy right. market to adopt an electronic health record. So our adoption has been somewhat slower and really um, based on quality of what they've been able to use versus just, you know, buying the first thing off the market so that they that they think might work uh, because they get a kickback from the government to 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 offset a subsidy to, to offset the, the cost. Right, right, right. Well, cool. But that still means that 15% or so are still using paper. Yeah, or maybe a homegrown, you know, word okay. document solution. I mean, there's a lot of folks that kind of dug their heels in. I, I'm still astonished today when we find, you know, even 10 clinic chains that um, mm -hmm. are still documenting on pen and paper. Um, <laughs> it's pretty astonishing to me just to try to keep up with. It's efficiency you know, wise. Exactly. Efficiency wise, but also just trying to keep up with all of the regulatory changes and right. document requirements, you know, just to be compliant. Yeah. Uh, frankly, as a business owner, I'm not sure how people do that uh, without having some assistance uh, of whatever, you know, electronic health record or med medical record you, you could utilize. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, do you wish you had done anything with the start of the business differently? Um, you know, I, 
it's hard to go back and, and mm -hmm. say that you'd want to do anything different. I mean, we literally have run the quintessential entrepreneurial playbook uh, from starting a business, getting the pricing right, getting adoption. Um, we were the first SaaS model, so software as mm -hmm. a service. And, and um, you know, that was really key for us in terms of targeting the SMB or the small and medium-sized businesses uh, who didn't have the opportunity to buy what was already in the market, which was these large, very costly um, server-based models of, of electronic medical records. And so we've made so many right decisions. And in your, I think this is, it's a hard question because you can always retrospectively go back and go, oh man, we made this huge mistake, but we really haven't made too many mistakes. Um, you know, I think uh, part of it is um, the iterative process of uh -huh. being okay with failure. Uh, that is really part of our success as well to embrace, you know, some of the mistakes, learn from them quickly, um, and then uh, correct and move on, right? And so, for, you know, they're just, they don't stick in my head <laughs> as much as maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're really only mistakes if you don't learn from them and make the, you know, make the adjustments so that that makes a lot of sense too yeah. cool um so i mean you have a lot of balls in the air in your personal business life everything so what advice would you give a business owner who's struggling with not having enough time well it, it never <laughs> seems like you have enough time so accepting that first and foremost i think is the first thing but acceptance okay yeah, um, I think the next thing is this is to then just take a moment to assess, like, where am I spending my time? What am I doing with the time every minute of my day, right? And and then understanding um, how to of looking at all of that, prioritize what are the things that are most important to you, um, and also to the goals that you have in front of you. Um, it's really easy to get distracted these days. Um, and it always seems like we um, get caught up in putting out fires. And when you can't then pick your head up and look, you know, beyond tomorrow or one week from now to right. really say, gosh, what are my goals for this entire year? So um, there's a couple of things within once you prioritize in your head, um, you know, taking maybe one step further back into saying, how do I find time, as we just mentioned, to really work on your business versus always in your business, right? That's the day-to-day -day operations. How do you take the time to really uh, put down some strategy and, and, and um, innovative thought around how you are running your business? And then the last thing I would say is also from a personality perspective, we all have things that we love to do and things that we don't like to do. And most of the times those things that you don't like to do, you get tend to procrastinate on. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I got to do this. And right. so finding um, your passions and things that you really like to do, and then perhaps outsourcing or finding someone else to help you do those things that you don't love to do, because perhaps they love to do that stuff um right that i think would be it, it can be really helpful and, and make you much more efficient and uh, actually love what you love what you do every day to want to wake up and be happy to come to work right. no that's a great point that that was a lesson i learned um oh, i don't know 
a while ago, but not early enough, right? That all that stuff that I hate doing, somebody else loves doing it. So just finding those people and then working together with them. Yeah. That's yeah, you have to fake it till you make it. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. In the very early stages when you may not have the opportunity as a startup to, you know, be able to hire somebody, but mm -hmm. also seeking out, you know, mentorship or, you know, help from someone who does love that, like you said, um, mm -hmm. I think can be hugely beneficial to, to you then finding more time in the day for the things that you do love. So I, um, once heard somebody like describe business as a problem and you talked about problem solving earlier the question being kind of what problems are you currently you know what, what are we facing today what happens today what are the challenges and the problems that you're, you're working on solving now going forward well <laughs> the size and scale of business there's never a dull moment sturdy <laughs> um you know, well, first I'll just say, I love that you changed it in your question just now to say challenge rather than the quote that says business, or I'm sorry, that business is a problem. problem because, you know, within every problem, there's an opportunity and it's, it's really is just a challenge. You know, currently I think um, at the size and scale that we are at over 500 employees, it's, um, it's really comes down to, we have had an incredibly, we have an incredibly strong culture that is truly the foundation of our business based on a set of core values um, that we, um, we defined back in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, and those have just helped us to really define our boundaries in which we, and how we run our business. You know, more, more recently with what's happened transpired over the last nine months with um, COVID, uh, we've had to change that culture a little bit in terms of um, how we do business and how we work. Um, we were a very much hardcore in-person, in the office uh, kind of culture. And we quickly uh, transitioned to work from home. And right. so having that dispersed uh, group of, of employees who no longer are, you know, doing their hallway conversations and quick sync ups here or you know um over behind over the water cooler or whatever those just aren't happening and so trying to evolve into how do we um create those moments of of in the ability to really communicate with each other um and you know con yeah, get continue to have that engagement and connected connectivity with our teams so we've tried to solve that, you know, we initially communication and transparency was huge. Um, and so doing weekly standups with Nancy Ham, our CEO and I, um, communicating with the entire organization via Zoom um, uh -huh. every week. Um, and, and then also uh, putting out surveys to uh, understand and get feedback from our employees on how they were doing, any needs that they were, um, working through things like that. So solving it through technology, I guess. We've implemented Slack, uh, which is a communication platform that has been really helpful for us. Um, we are looking to, in the future, we've actually um, told everybody that we're gonna continue to work from home until June of 2021, just to accommodate all of the, the um, folks that are working from home and also having, um, you know, the kiddos at home as well, potentially right. doing virtual schooling. And then with obviously our numbers rising and things like that, we want to 
are, you know, the, the um, infection rate numbers are rising across the country. So just keeping everybody safe um, mm -hmm. is our first and foremost our priority. And so that sort of changing of culture uh, from in-person to work from home is, has been uh, one of our biggest challenges uh, right now. Um, well, and you're creating the processes. I, I like it because one of the first things I work with clients on is creating the playbook, like getting those processes out of your head and documented and all. But it's really important to understand that that's the work on the playbook will never stop. Right. I mean, conditions change. New, you implement something new. You grow. You, it's constantly evolving. So it's never solved. Right. So that's yeah. a great point. Thank you. Um, so, so tell me, Heidi, what's your proudest moment in business? <laughs> oh my gosh, Dorothy, I have so <laughs> many. We could talk this whole hour, I think, on my proudest moments. Seriously, um, it is just Give us been, a couple. Yeah, it's been such an incredible ride. I mean, from you know, we do a lot of work. We've done a lot of work at trade shows, and this is um, uh, I've been lucky enough to to be able to travel and and go to these trade shows where I interact with a lot of our customers and who are therapists just like me right and you know for them to share with me um, that they would not be where they are today in their business or that their business wouldn't actually even be in business anymore should it not have been for the software and education that they've received from WebPT I mean those are my peers. I mean, the fact that we've disrupted our own industry and how people think about business, it's just, it's an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, and then you think about, um, you know, our, our business as a whole and our, 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 one of our biggest stakeholders in our business is, is the employees. Um, and we've always tried to create this sort of family atmosphere and often kind of do these, um, we in the past got, had get togethers and when our celebratory events we would do, we would always include in significant others and oftentimes whole families. Mm -hmm. And to, to meet and talk with a significant other of one of our employees and have them say, you know, thank you so much for starting this company and developing such an amazing culture. Our home has changed dramatically since he or she or they started working you and with you oh. that they are happier they're healthier <laughs> and you've just made a tremendous difference in our lives i mean i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it i might That's even tear cool. up a little bit um you know it's just it's just an incredible feeling and then i guess i don't know one of the last other things i'll just i'll say in this proud moment is um as a founder and entrepreneur of a business we've always also believed in this shared stakeholder approach and mm -hmm. provided many of our employees with um, shares in the business. And as I mentioned earlier, we, we've kind of run the, the entrepreneurial playbook of, we had a, a small round of funding in 2010, an angel round. And then in 2014, um, we did an, a, a venture capital round with Battery Ventures. And then just recently in 2019, um, we also did a round with a private equity firm, Warburg Pincus. And so along that path in 2014 and 2019, many of our employees who have been part of our shareholder program have benefited through liquidity opportunities with their vested shares. Nice. And so it is just amazing. I mean, we've made millionaires <laughs> in our company. 
um, and being able to share the wealth with so many people that you know took a bet on us when it was super early and right. we didn't know where we might end up but they just took a chance because we weren't always paying for sure you know what they might have made elsewhere but they they believed in our vision they believed in our culture um, and they just added tremendous value and then and got paid back for that and so those would probably be my I guess three moments I, that I, I can share right now. Like <laughs> no, I said, I love I it. Thank you. This forever, like just the career pathing that we've created. You know, people that have come into our company as entry level, like uh, support rep reps, and now are you know directors and VPs, and have made a career um, at, at our company in the last ten years. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. it's just amazing. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all that. That's that's awesome. Um, so what's the biggest thing you've learned recently that you like wish you had learned 10 years ago? Well, I can honestly say I'm a quite a different person. I mean, I know everybody evolves over 10 years, 10 years sure. in my life um, with the transition that I've made uh, is just, it's like a lifetime in the last 10 years. <laughs> um, we touched on it a little bit, I think with, um, you know, acceptance of mm -hmm. it being okay to fail. You know, I think in healthcare, it, it doesn't always translate, I think, as well. Right, um, right, right. With you, you know, having the well being of your patients um, to think about, like the, the whole failure thing doesn't quite compute. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the scientific method dic dic dictates that as you try things and you hypothesize, you learn from the results and then you subsequently assess and adapt and change and enhance mm -hmm. based on those results that you've, you've gotten. And in software, it's actually exponentially heightened. Like we're always trying new things and we, we use, you know, the agile development method and which is very much in terms very much about iterative, iterative changes, iterative, right. um, you know, trials and uh, trying to, to fail fast, if you will, but, um, you know, really trying things that you are not sure what the outcome is going to be, but learning from it and then moving forward. And then the other thing I would just say is um, kind of in line with that is um, that as leaders, we don't always have to have the answers. I think, you know, again, as a PT, we're constantly working with patients who are looking to us for the answers and we're there to, we're, we're expected to give that to them. Right. That as, you know, leaders within an, an organization, um, it's not, it's not always the case, you know, it was a, ridiculously hard transition for me to jump from being a physical therapist and clinic director to leading a software tech company when honestly sturdy i was very much a pretty much pretty typical pt that is not tech savvy really at all <laughs> at mm -hmm. the beginning of all of this <laughs> and uh so taking my time to learn and then again surrounding myself with people that were smarter than me in areas that i was completely unfamiliar with just really helped me to understand that, you know, it's okay. And, and it's, um, they really challenged me then to want to learn more when I didn't, I was willing to say, Hey, listen, I, I really don't know anything about this. And so now as my direct reports and mentees and people that I work with, you know, come ask me questions, I, I find myself always sort of pushing back on them first and saying, you know, well, tell me what you think, what do you think the answer is before I actually even share of my insights to challenge them to know, first and foremost, don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a problem and a solution. We might brainstorm and shoot that that answer down, but at least you've thought about it and you're not mm -hmm. just piling on and putting stuff on my plate. 
Right, no, those are great points because there's a lot, and you mentioned a couple, there's a lot that translates directly over from clinical practice into business. The idea of a soap note, the scientific method you mentioned, right? All that stuff translates right over, but, but those are, you bring up two great points with, yeah, you don't want to make mistakes with patients, right? <laughs> so that, that's a mindset shift to, you know, in, in the business thing. And then also that, I think you bring up another great point that a lot of therapists, a lot of people in clinical practice who are also running, you know, organizations or teams need to understand is you have a different hat and yeah, you don't have to know everything, but that again, a major shift in how, how we think and even how we maybe identify or see ourselves. Yeah. And I think, I think that's also, I mean, you've done it, you've kind of transitioned out of patient care um, into doing something else amazing on the, on the business side for yourself. And I think that there's a lot of therapists that sometimes can hesitate because they feel like they might be a fish out of water or, well, that's Mm -hmm. not what I went to school for. Um, But I, I'm, I'm actually um, a big proponent um, of, and um, I'm helping a few schools to really now try to put a lot more uh, or not a lot more, but at least a few classes on business to understand, you know, the P and L and what is a P and L and, you know, how, how, how does um, the business side, you know, coalesce with, um, the clinical side, right? That it's mm-hmm. having a much more well-rounded uh, PT as they come out of PT school. No, I, I love that. I would love to do more of that. I, I, yeah, that's great. Thank you for those lessons, though. Those are absolutely huge and really, really important. Um, so, you know, I find that successful people are always learning, growing, trying to learn new things, right? So what... Uh, can you share with us maybe a favorite business book or something you're reading now that you think is important or useful? Sure. Um, and I'll just say that I have read so many business books. This is what really helped me early on as I was making this transition. Um, a lot, sometimes it was more for validation a lot. And a lot of times it was for true learning. Um, but right now, um, actually, I just received uh, last week um, a new book called Conscious Leadership, uh, oh. Conscious Leadership, Elevating Humanity Through Business. Um, it's written by John Mackey, who is the founder of Whole Foods. Um, if you've ever heard me talk before, you, you know I'm a huge advocate of conscious capitalism, which is really um, sort of a movement or a way of doing business in which in which businesses really embrace the fact that profit can be a force for good. Um, and, you know, conscious businesses um, have leaders that are driven by purpose. Um, the business has a shared stakeholder model. Um, there's very much a dynamic conscious culture within the organization. And then, and then you know, led by these servant leaders. And so I'm just getting started on the book, but the epilogue about Mm -hmm. his awakening to conscious leadership really drew me in. And I'm sure it's going to help me to continue to be inspired and, I don't know, just really validate our way of thinking and and how we've been leading WebPT as an organization uh, moving and continue to do it moving forward. Well, thanks. That's a great recommendation. I, that was an epiphany for me too. As soon as I realized you can use all these business tools for good, not evil, right? It was like, oh, then maybe we need to learn more of this and do it. Just apply it. You can apply a tool in any way you want, right? So that was That's another. Right. 
And I just, I mean, it's not political at all. Like sometimes I think we're so polarized these days Mm and everything going on that, you know, capitalism has a bad, is like a dirty word and it's really not. I mean, this, our entire, um, you know, country was sort of built on this capitalistic mindset and Mm -hmm. of, you know, we, we know that small businesses, it's not just about building the huge, you know, Facebook or, you know, Amazon, it's the small businesses at the end of the day that run this country. And that, that is truly about, you know, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship and capitalism. And so, and capitalism has been what has drawn more people out of poverty in the world than, than any other sort of uh, financial system. And so trying to sort of elevate the, the conversation to how and why, you know, they've put this conscious in front of it, um, to really drive with purpose and, and build a business with purpose. Um, it's, it's something that I learned about back in, uh, 2011-ish. Um, uh, we have been honored on the Inc. 5000 list as one of the fastest growing companies for the past, um, eight years. And one of the great things when you win these awards, you get to go to cool conferences and hear amazing people speak about how they've done their work. And so um, I heard um, Kip Tyndall, who is the founder of the Container Store, speak um, about this. And he has uh, joined John Mackey um, and a lot of other businesses that everyone knows from Southwest Airlines to Patagonia, who have really joined in understanding, hey, this conscious capitalism thing is is exactly how we do business. Um, And it's been amazing for us just in to help share and, and get more people who are probably already doing it. We call them unconscious, conscious capitalism, cap- capitalists <laughs> who are already doing a lot of this, but it's really putting a language and a framework about it to how you can share and talk to other people as well. Right. No, I love that. I, you know, <clears throat> obviously it's been abused at times, right? So that can give a, a bad rap, but I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, you can put this stuff to use for for good. You can do it in deliberate ways. I love what you're calling out to some of the companies, particularly because there are multiple studies around this. This isn't just feel good stuff. Purpose driven, values driven organizations outperform their counterparts. Um, one of them, one of the studies in Harvard Business looked at uh, 17 countries over 10 years, and 96 percent of the purpose driven, values driven organizations outperform their counterparts. You know, so this is a universal thing that we really can bring and you achieve more business success. That's the part people miss out on. That's right. You know, it, it's a beautiful synergy. So that was one of the things that also inspired me. I love, love that, that you just shared that. Um, cool. So before we wind down, are there any other thoughts you want to leave the, this audience of business owners with? Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about it in, you, in your title of your um, podcast is called Focus Forward Business Podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I would just leave everyone with, I guess, the understanding or hopefully the inspiration that business knowledge is power and so important for practitioners to have some comfort in this area, whether it's to know where your paycheck comes from or Mm -hmm you know, insurance or benefit programs and understanding the structure of all of those things, the lifestyle of, I'm sorry, the life cycle of a, of claim adjudication, like all of those things are super critical to our understanding and our, 
I think to our ability to maximize our potential really as providers and as leaders. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great, a great idea. Thank you so much, Heidi. This has been really good. Really, I mean, your insights are wonderful and it's just been a pleasure to, to listen here, hear your thoughts on this stuff. So thank you very, very much for being here. You're welcome, Sturdy, and appreciate your leadership and, and um, also to, you know, put a fo focus on the business side of, of healthcare. And, and I think it's incredibly important. There's so many entrepreneurs out there in our space and I know you're inspiring a lot of them. So thank you for what all of the things you're doing. Cool, thank you. Coming from you, that is high praise. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. <laughs>